0: Feel the dirt, shake it off, take another step. Can you say that with me? Feel the dirt, shake it off, take another step. The story is told of a farmer who had a donkey who fell into a well. The donkey was very old and the well needed to be covered up, so the farmer decided it was too much effort to try to rescue the donkey. He called his friends, his farmer friends, and and asked them if they would bring their shovels, and they were just going to fill it in by hand. Fill it in by hand. The donkey was in the bottom of the well, just whining piteously, just um, breaking everybody's heart with his—I don't know what what's it called when a donkey makes a noise—braying huh? with his braying, just sounding so pitiful. But with heavy hearts, they took the shovels and they began to throw the dirt in. <clears throat> And as they did, the donkey settled down and stopped braying. And after a few minutes, the the farmer looked into the well, and he saw that instead of the donkey being covered up, it was actually standing on top of the dirt. With every shovel full, the donkey would feel the dirt, shake it off, and take a step. And so as they filled up the well, the donkey just kept raising higher and higher and higher until finally he was at the top of the well and he shook one last time and he stepped out of the well and went off into the field. Feel the dirt, shake it off, and take a step. We're talking about endurance in the Christian life and we need to add one more part to that. Feel the dirt, shake it off, take another step, and Jesus' strength. And that is a good formula for what we're talking about in the book of Hebrews. We've been talking about the Christian life as instead of a vacation or a cruise, it's an endurance race, an ultra kind of endurance race, all the way to eternity. We've defined endurance as the ability to withstand the elements, and have the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual resources to make it all the way to eternity. So say it with me. Feel the dirt, shake it off, take a step in Jesus' strength. It's always been an endurance race. As we look all the way back to the beginning, ever since Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, life has been an endurance race. There are people who want to make it sound different, but it's not, even if you're not a Christian. It's an endurance race. It's hard. But if you are a Christian, it's especially that way. So as you look through the people in the Bible, you see how they ran this endurance race. A couple of weeks ago, we took a look at Hebrews chapter 11, which is the Hall of Faith, where it lists how those people ran this endurance race. How did they do it? Feel the dirt, shake it off, take a step in Jesus' strength. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Anybody need a Bible? Okay. We got one here. Anybody else need a Bible? Hebrews chapter 12. The first two verses are our memory verses, and then some additional. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hebrews 12, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, And then jump down to verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In the past few weeks, we looked at the first four actions that we can take in this Christian life as an endurance race all the way to eternity. We've said we need to draw on the examples of others, that they show us what is possible, that they model true faith. And they inspire us to endure all the way to eternity. And that's verse, the first part of verse 1. We, last week we said we have to streamline. We have to lay aside every weight. That's verse, the second part of verse 1. Getting rid of all the extras that may hold us back from running the race. And refuse those sins that entangle us so easily. We said we have to plot on. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us in the last part of verse 1. One persistent step at a time in Jesus' strength. The race that is marked that Jesus put before us. And then last week, we finished up with how we need to hyper-focus and hyper-follow Jesus. That's verse 2. Look there in your Bible. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to Jesus, hyper Focused on Him. So keeping our eyes on Him. Not looking at the, how hard the race is, or the dangers, or the accolades that might come, or the temptations that are there. hyper focus, hyper-follow with our goal, our Savior, our resource, and our model as Jesus. And now we come to very, I think, at the, at the root of, the, of what it means to do all of that. The training that is required in order to do the first four actions, God's training for this Christ-following endurance race. And, and as we talk about it, you're going to see this is hard stuff. This is difficult stuff. Why do it? The reason is, and, and is ant, we get that reason, we get that answer in Matthew 24. I put it in their outline there. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Those who appear to be running this race will get caught up in, in the stuff, the peripheral stuff. They will get caught by the sin that so easily entangles. They will get weighed down by the weights. They'll, they'll lose their hyper-focus. They, they, and, and as a result, their hearts will grow cold. They won't be following Jesus. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who goes all the way to. And it's not about a sprint. And it's not about being the fastest. It's not about beating other people. It's about making it plotting on all the way to the end. And these, so these next verses in Hebrews chapter 12 represent some distinct right-side-up thinking, right-side-up lessons in this upside-down that we're, we're living in. Because in our culture, we view pain as bad, hard things as bad, and and our culture says if it's hard or if it's painful, then get rid of it. Get, get, just, it's bad, so we need to get rid of it. And, and I found this picture that I've shown on my live stream before that I think captures this. In our culture, we want quick solutions. We want a magic wand. We want a, 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 we want a, a genie with three wishes to take away what is hard. And so, when things, hard things come, we want somebody to give us a pill or somebody to give us surgery so that it will go away and it will go away quickly. When in reality, so oftentimes, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, relationally, and everywhere, if we just do the hard work of change, it will resolve the issue. Because pain is often an indication that something is wrong that needs to be corrected. C.S. Lewis described pain as the megaphone of God. Amen. The way to get our attention. And so when we talk about discipline here, when we talk about training from God, we're talking about hard stuff. Hard stuff that causes discomfort and oftentimes pain. But is required if we're going to run this endurance race all the way to the end. Now this is, this is hard stuff. Um, well, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Just don't take the left. Don't go in the left aisle. Go in the right. You do the hard thing. Let's talk about it. So number five is to endure the pain of opposition. Endure the pain of opposition. We've been talking about this Christian life as an endurance race all the way to eternity, but what if it's not... Um, just a race that you're running or, or you're plotting on. What if every time you come around a corner, you run into people with sticks and bats that are trying to take you out? Because that's what Hebrews is telling us here. That it's, that, in, but it's not people. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against all of the spiritual forces that try to take us out. Now, he can sometimes use people to try to take us out, but they're not the enemy. But this endurance race is every time you turn a corner, there's, there's a danger there. There's a booby trap there. There's, a, there's something that's going to try to take you out. So how do we endure the pain of opposition? First, we need to develop the right attitude. And the right attitude is to accept pain, the painful struggle as the norm. Accept the painful struggle as the norm. Um, One of my favorite movies is Princess Bride. Anybody else like that movie? I mean, I think our family quoted that to each other all the time. I looked it up this week, and there's a bunch of quotes, right, from Princess Bride. The number one quote in Princess Bride, and some of you know where I'm headed, all right, right, right? Wesley says to Buttercup, life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. And I think Jesus tried to tell us that when he said, in this world you're going to have difficulties. In this world you're going to have tribulations. Life is hard. Life is difficult. And if there's anybody telling you it's anything other than that, then they're not telling you the truth. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we get the victory, but we need to accept that the painful path is the norm. That we live in a culture that says, "Ah, let's go to Kennywood every day. Instead of making something special once in a while. Hebrews, flip back in your Bible, a page or so, to chapter 10. And let's look at verses 32 to 36. Hebrews 10, 32, beginning with verse 32, says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Remember that when you started your Christian life, there were hard times. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. Sometimes being partners with those who treated So sometimes getting persecuted, other times walking alongside people who were. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. You joyfully accepted losing your possessions. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one to lose what's in this world in order to gain eternity. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Here it is. You're on this endurance race. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because Jesus said only if you're going to make it, don't give up. The, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. In other words, you don't make it unless you develop the ability to endure. And you don't get endurance if you don't accept the training of God. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So our attitude needs to be, When pain comes, of course. When difficulty comes, of course. When persecution comes, well, of course. That, Jesus told us, that is going to come. And then delight in the times when it's not there instead of seeing that as a right. Endurance. The ability to withstand elements and have the emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual resources to make it to eternity. So, That's the attitude. Instruction. Compare yourself to Christ's pain. How do you develop this this ability to continue on, keep plodding, feel the dirt, shake it off, take a step, step, in Jesus' strength? How do you do that? Jesus says, uh, the the writer of the Hebrews says, compare yourself to Jesus' pain. Go back to chapter 12 and look at verse 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. That word consider literally means to compare yourself. Compare yourself to Jesus who endured such hostility. What did Jesus endure? He left the throne of heaven in order to come here, take on flesh. He was willing to do that. He endured uh, opposition from the get-go. He had to put up with these 12 guys who were dense and hard-headed and never got it. And then at the end of his ministry, he was betrayed. He was spat upon. He was mocked. The King of Glory, who could have called angels to rescue him, but he didn't. He endured it, and he was arrested. He was, he was beaten with, with whips, scourged, and then he was taken to a cross. He was nailed there. He hung there for six hours. Compare your difficulty to him. Amen. That's what the, the Hebrews writer says. We need to be willing to go through what people might do to us. But always remember, compared to Jesus, it's nothing. Amen. Since Jesus gave his life for us, why should not we give ours to him? So, and then he goes on, when, and what's the motivation? The motivation is strength and courage. So we we go through the training of Jesus, so that we in the second part of verse three there. So that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Remember, only the one who endures to the end continues to plot on. Feel the dirt, shake it off, take a step in Jesus' strength. Only the one who keeps doing that all the way to the day they die, that's the one who is welcomed into eternity. He says, that's the motivation. Is I want to reach that so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. To faint is to be so overwhelmed that you are you you just fall out. It's fainting, it's just passing out. You're not conscious anymore. You're done. You're over. It's over. That's the motivation. I don't want to give up. But also giving up can be trying to choose easier paths. Sometimes it can look like we're still walking the path of endurance when in reality we're taking a sidetrack that's just a little bit off the trajectory so that I don't have to face the difficulty that's on this path. Like like I can take a detour around it. But you can't. Have you tried to get around in the South Hills lately? I, you know, I, the other day I was, I was walking on the trail down around Bridgeville and uh, I was trying to get back and I knew there was a detour the way that Sheila and I usually go. So I decided to take Morganza Road on last Monday. And I'm telling you, every mile, I'm not lying and nor am I complaining. I'm just giving you a, a, a picture of what this race is. Every mile, there's something, there's a detour. It's down to one lane, like eight times. In 10 miles. I tried to go a different way, and it was worse. <laughs> if we try to go a different way than the race that marked out for us, it will actually be worse. So don't give up. Don't take, try to take a different route. And then perspective. Perspective, verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Perspective. It can feel bad, but it can always be worse in your struggle. So, and some of you have gone through very difficult struggles, all kinds of different struggles. Where there's, you know, hard things are hard things. Sometimes it's caused by other people in our lives. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's training by Jesus, but, it, but it's hard stuff. Perspective says. Look at how bad it could be. Because here's what I want to tell you. God is saving you from way more than you realize. There are so many things that could be going wrong that aren't out of his mercy and grace. And here's what we can trust is that you will only experience that which God allows. And he will only allow that which is absolutely necessary. So you can trust our loving Heavenly Father that He's got you. And it could be a whole lot worse. Jump out of His hand and it will be worse. Stay on this endurance race. Perspective is so hard because we get get our heads down on on our difficulty. I ran across this and, and as a kid who grew up in the country, I can relate to this. And those of you that have been in the service, maybe you can too. A letter from a kid, a kid from West Virginia, from a West Virginia farm enduring marine basic training. Dear Ma and Pa, I'm well, hope you are. Tell Brother Walton and Brother Elmer the Marine Corps beats working for Old Man Minch by a mile. Tell them to join up quick before all the places are filled. <laughs> I was restless at first because you get to stay in bed until nearly 6 a.m. But I'm getting so I like to sleep in late. <laughs> yeah, you, you get it? Because on the farm he had to get up a lot. Okay. <laughs> Tell Walt Elmer, all you do before breakfast is smooth your cot and shine some things. No hogs to slop, feed to pitch, mash to mix, wood to split, fire to lay. Practically nothing. Men got to shave, but it's not so bad here because there's warm water. Breakfast is strong on trimmings like fruit juice, cereal, eggs, bacon, etc., but kind of weak on chops, potatoes, ham, steak, fried eggplant, pie, and and other regular food. But tell Walt and Elmer you can always sit by the two city boys that live on coffee. (laughs) Their food plus yours holds you until noon when you get fed again. It's no wonder these city boys can't walk much. We go on route marches, which the platoon sergeant says are long walks to harden us. If he thinks so, it's not my place to tell him different. A route route march is about as far to our mailbox at home and back. Then the city guys get sore feet and we all ride back in trucks. (laughs) The sergeant is like a school teacher. He nags a lot. The captain is like the school board. Majors and colonels just ride around and frown. They don't bother you much. The next will kill Walt and Elmer with laughing. I keep getting medals for shooting, and I don't know why. (laughs) The bullseye is near as big as a chipmunk's head, (laughs) and it don't move. (laughs) And it ain't shooting at you like the Higgett boys at home. (laughs) All you got to do is lie there all comfortable and hit it. You don't even load your own cartridges. They come in boxes. Then we have what they call call hand-to-hand combat training. You get to wrestle with them city boys. I have to be real careful, though. They break real easy. It ain't like fighting with that old bull at home. I'm about the best they got. In this, except for that Tug Jordan over there on Silver Lake, I, I only beat him once. He joined up the same time as me, but I'm only 5'6 and 130 pounds, and he's 6'8 and nearly 300 pounds. Be sure to tell Walt Nelmer to hurry and join before other fellers get onto this setup and come stampeding in. Your loving daughter. <laughs> Alice. I love that letter because it's perspective, right? How bad she had it at home, how difficult it was at home, so that when she had what we consider hard, I I refer to it all the time, marine basic training is, you know, that's what we're, I I think I need to start referring to this West Virginia farm. Perspective. It could be a lot worse. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's important for us to look at what other believers, even in our times, are going through. Believers that are under persecution. Um, Tim and Amanda who are going through difficulty. You know, perspective. And so he says, perspective. And then, number six, endure God's training. The word that's used a lot, Uh, In scripture is discipline, but in our culture, discipline is generally punishment. And that's not what he's referring to here. When he's talking about discipline here, he's talking about the discipline, like the discipline of fasting. Or the discipline of um, praying or solitude or reading scripture. It's, It's training. We have to endure, withstand those difficult things, but we also have to go into training. Endure God's training or discipline. And I remember when I, when our kids were growing up, there were certain things that I did and didn't do in order to either deprive them or force them to learn how to work and have good, you know, skills and and those kinds of things. And and after my kids grew up, one of them said to me, "I, I said, you know, I was doing those kinds of things because life is hard, and you need to learn to do." De- and, and they looked at me and went, but you didn't have to make it harder. And I thought, well, I think I should have made it harder than I actually did. And sometimes I think that's our attitude with God. God, I know you're the God of the universe and you could take this pain away. You could take this difficulty. You could just wave your magic spirit wand and give me all the skills that I need but that's not the way he's chosen to do it. And sometimes I think we look to God and we go, God, why do you have to make it so hard? Why do you have to make it harder? Again, I come back to this. You can trust that God will put us through only that which is necessary for our good. Hebrews chapter five, verses eight and nine, it was even true with Jesus. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. When Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days, God was training him because he was fully man, fully God. Training him. Going through those times of of facing the tempter and developing the, the skills as a man of God, as well as the son of God. And if Jesus learned obedience by what he suffered, how in the world do we think we could get it any other way? And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to those who obey. Esau is the the anti-endurance. We talked about that with the kids a few weeks ago. When when um, Jacob's or, or yeah, Jacob's sons, Esau. No, Isaac. Isaac's, Isaac's sons, Esau and Jacob. Isaac's sons, Esau and Jacob. <laughs> And Esau came in from being out in the field and, and there was Jacob making food and, and he comes running and he goes, oh, give me some of that food. Give me that, some of the food. I'm, I've been out and I'm, I'm going to die. It's like a drama queen or something. You know, I'm going to die. If you don't give me some of that porridge, I'm going to die. And, and I, I got a brain burp. Jacob so okay, give it to me, but give me your birthright or give me your birthright and I'll give it to you. And he sold his birthright, the Bible says, for a bowl of porridge. That's the anti-discipline. Jesus said, I will do whatever has to be done. That's the endurance race. Lord, I will endure whatever I have to endure because I trust you. So what do we do? Endure hard things as God's training in love. Endure hard things. Not just put up with them, but, in, in, but actively lean into them. Verses 5 and 6, Hebrews chapter 12. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. None other, uh, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It's saying God is treating you as sons. God is training you. God is equipping you. God is doing the hard things making you face the hard things and leading you to learn how to say no to temptation, how to say yes to him, how to step up, how to believe bigger, how to step out in faith more and more by what he does, by the training, by the hard things that he puts in your path. The hard thing is not just, just because it's hard, but it's it's a way to, tr- to help you see how you can go through this. And so when we look in the original 12s, Development process. And, the, and early on, he says, just follow me. And then he kind of has kit gloves on. And then he takes them and he puts them into situations. You know, they're out on the sea and the, it's, they're about to get, go down with the ship. And Jesus is asleep. And they go, they don't you care if we, we die? And he, and he looks at them and goes, where's your faith? And then he calms the sea. And in that moment, they have an opportunity to say, we just went through something really hard. We thought we were going to die. And now we see that Jesus is bigger. How in the world will you know Jesus is bigger if he's never, you're never facing anything where he needs to be bigger? Amen. Right? Amen. So when you're facing big stuff, it's because God is, wants to teach you more about himself and about how he wants you to act and, and more about yourself. Amen. So endure hard things as God's training to reveal where we are. That's what he did with the disciples. He, he, by, by them going through the test after test after test, situation after situation, they saw themselves and where they needed to develop, where they needed to surrender more. To reveal that he's bigger to his resources and to invite them to cooperate to gain Christ-likeness. Endure hard things. So when, you're, when you come across hard things, look to God and say, okay, God, what are you up to? I don't think I can handle this on my own. Because there are things that you will face that you cannot handle on your own. That's the point. Because when you get to the end of yourself, then we are forced to make a choice. Am I going to try to handle it on my own and fail? Or am I going to really trust that God is in charge? That he will take me through this? And then the next one is endure hard things as hard but necessary. Endure hard things as hard but necessary. One of the shifts that I've talked about for a long time, and many of you have heard it, and I hear some of you even quote me sometimes, is hard is not bad. What is it? Hard is hard. hard. Bad is bad. That's right. Hard is not bad. Hard is hard, and bad is bad. So don't choose the bad. Choose the hard, and let God take you through it. It's not bad. And so, you know, there are some people who want to sugarcoat things and say, oh, you know, the Christian life, it's not, you know, it's not that hard. It's hard, but it's not bad. Enduring hardship is God training us. It's his putting us through those things. And so verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. And in the NIV it says, endure hardship as discipline. And so it's for discipline, it's for training that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you have a, a dad that cares about you, he's going to put you through hard stuff. He's going to make you, and you're going to get mad, at, and the child's going to get mad, and, and whine, and fuss, and think the dad doesn't care. and all. But hopefully 20 years later, you look back and go, boy, I'm glad my dad did that. And that's why I would say to you, those of you that are still raising kids, parent for 20 years from now. Not for now. Don't, you're not supposed to be their friend. Be friendly. I mean, you're supposed to be their parent. And so sometimes God is not, doesn't feel like a friend. Because he's trying, he loves you so much that he wants to be your father. If you're left without discipline, in other words, if your life is easy, it ought to catch your attention. Because that means God isn't really acting in love to you, and that's a scary place to be, right? In which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. Training builds endurance. Training is counterintuitive. So when we get when we face something hard, instead of getting in the line for a pill or or surgery, get in the other line. and Say, "How God, what are you doing? And how do you want you know?" And it's counterintuitive. Um, so sometimes um, I get tired and sleepy. <laughs> anybody else? I mean, anybody? Okay. Just wondering if you're a human or if you're some alien group. <laughs> and sometimes I sense I need to take a nap. But, you know, there are other times when I feel God pushing me to take a walk instead of a nap. Because, he, he, because it's different. Sometimes he wants to get your, your, the blood flowing through your head. And so oftentimes, I think spiritually, we get weary and we think, I just need to lay down. When God says, no, you need to take a run. It's count, but that's counterintuitive, right? Last one. Endure hard things as the path to God's best. Endure hard things as the path to God's best. Verse 11 And um, the first half of this verse is, is like the, one of the duh verses of the Bible. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And that's, oh, yeah, that's true. That's just kind of stating the obvious. Training is hard. Training is painful. Yeah. But do it anyway, because later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. I want you to think about that word for a moment. It doesn't feel pleasant, but it's painful. But stick with it. Do the counterintuitive thing to cooperate with God because it will yield the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. Right standing with God in a deeper way and right living in relationship with other people. You don't get that on your own. That only happens by the Holy Spirit within and the training of God, it is for discipline that you have to endure. There's a different. So he, here's the attitude shift and kind of the approach shift that we need to take. It's the difference between all right, which is resignation. I don't have any choice. So it's what it's what your kids do. When they're not, all right. And when we do that with God, just what does it do to us as parents? It's going, oh, come on. You know, it's, uh, we're disappointed. There's a, so it, it can be that or it can be, all right, let's go. See the difference? And that's where we got to get to. When hard stuff comes, it's all right, let's go. All right. I trust you, God. I trust you as the one who loves me. I trust you as the one who trains me. I trust you as the one who is molding me so that whatever comes in this life, I will have the capacity to face it in your strength. I will be able to feel the dirt, shake it off, take another step, plodding forward in your strength. But you don't get there unless you go through the training. The disciples would not have been able to do it if on day one, follow me, they were experiencing Pentecost. They had to go through hard training, difficult training, but 11 of them endured to the end. And then the Holy Spirit came and then their life got harder. But God used them to make a difference. And, they, and for the joy that was set before them. It was, they... They counted themselves privileged to suffer for Christ because they saw what was coming. They knew this life is short. And so that's the shift from, all right, to, all right, let's go. So who's in? Life is just hard sometimes. But when we surrender, listen and obey. It's under the training of one who's in charge. And we can trust it. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 to 39 again. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. That's why we endure all the way to eternity. Yet for a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Here's my challenge. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Read that verse with me. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Feel the dirt. Shake it off, take a step in Jesus' strength. Would you bow your heads? I don't know what you're going through, but what I know is you have a loving Heavenly Father who as you surrender, listen, and obey, as you lean in, will oversee whatever it is you're going through. And He will never give you more than in His strength you can handle. Scripture tells us that. So what do you need to surrender to him today? How is he training you? What are the hard things that he's got you going through? Listen to him. Pay attention to his nudge. Spend enough time with him to hear his voice. Link arms with other people in the army. Some who have gone through what you've been through. Maybe some that are a couple of steps ahead Some that are a couple steps behind, but link arms so that as you go forward, you will do it in him. What do you need to let go? What do you need to do? What do you need to say to him in this this moment of quiet? And then I'll pray. What do you need to say? Lord, we thank you that you as almighty God offer to place yourself within us in your spirit to guide our steps to be our resource and our strength and that we can walk in step with you and that Whatever comes is not too big for you. Lord, we're tempted sometimes to look around us in the chaos close by and around the world and get caught up in in all of that. Remind us to look to you as the one who is bigger, the one who is in control, the one who is working, the one who holds the victory the one who will walk us through the hard stuff to deeper intimacy better alignment and joy I pray for each one here today God whatever they're going through that you would surround them help them encourage them give them the next step to take as they feel the dirt help them to shake it off take the next step in your strength Lord thank you for this week of prayer and with fasting but we sense there were some significant things that you wanted to do and and i still sense that that is what that week is about and, and so we just give you praise and thanks for your invitation to be a part of that now keep doing it whatever you want to do we give ourselves to you in jesus name amen